Bud Light presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today we salute you, Mr. Major League Infield Raker. Mr. Major League Infield Raker. Your precision movements and split-second timing keep America's infield safe for play and covered with cool, swirly designs. Millions watch as you weave your standard-issue rake inches from the bag, then skillfully switch to the more advanced woven metal thing on a chain. Yeah, it has a name, but we wouldn't understand. Why? Because we're not Mr. Major League Infield Raker. So crack open an ice-cold Bud Light, old Duke of Dirt. Because for every kid who wants to be a Major League Slugger, there's another who wants to be a guy with a rake. Bud Light beer, and I suppose St. Louis can And here with me right now, the greatest right fielder in the game of baseball, Roberto Clemente. Oh, no. Another story about the 70s. Uh, this, this is not just another story about the 70s. I'm Clemente. That's why you said I could be Clemente. Chuck, another one up for Roberto. He's just three hits away from the magic 3,000. I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh and see Clemente get his 3,000 tap. You going to drive across the country on a learner's permit? You're just going to slow me down. <laughs> The car is missing, and my handicapped son doesn't have his medication. Does that sound like nothing to you? I've got California Place, 90265. I'm at a motel diner. Oh, God, Mickey. Mickey, is that you? What look like some kind of killer to you? Come on, run! Just jump the train. It's not bad for a gasoline permit and a kid in a wheelchair, huh? Why don't you Told you it wasn't just another 70s story. Slow-mo, welcome to my dojo, those other pods are so, so I'm chill like pro-yo, focus like a GoPro, ripping up this promo, check out the scoreboard, freaks, I'm throwing no-nos, it's going, it's going, it's going, yo, it's gone, your heart just stopped, cause Jake got strong and mighty, undefeated, I mean it, pull up the pod, scroll it down and read it, written, produced, directed, and mixed, dong on your lips and Ozzie Smith back lips, pick a tip, any tip, get onto it, I got ridiculous pods without forcing it, you sit at home crying like a Girl, while I spread the gospel around the world, yo, the pods are written behind tracks that mixed in smooth with the groove to make ears wanna listen at a little cut. 
and the rhythm to back it up. Another show to my name, now I'ma stack them up. You think another white rap back, but this ain't no ad jack. My hobbies are rhymes, some people trying to be black, but that. About time I come out, call the show BKP and let me turn it out. Yo, Nate, take the snake, border 71. Gates, you know what time it is, I'm packing them guns. Your experience, I've been a witness to glory. And that's why I collect ball players and their stories. Y'all heard? So, once again, back is the incredible, the pod animal, Jake the Snake Robinson, from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. I'm coming out of Pauly's Island, South Kakalaki, half man, half podcast machine, back in the Captain Kirk chair, shields down, photons up. Prepare to engage on this week's digital bonus pod program that I call Backwards K-Pop, where we collect ball players and their stories. What's cracking, C-Meds? What's juicy? Want to welcome all of you freaks back into the dojo for this BKP bonus pod special. Hello, everybody. I'm Jake Robinson. Holler if you hear me. And last year, I did a movie review of the baseball classic, The Sandlot. And it still continues to get listens. In fact, I believe it's on my top ten list of most downloads and listens, if I'm not mistaken. I enjoyed doing that review, but there were a couple of tweaks to the template that I wanted to make before I did it again. And the first thing being, I wanted to get another person in here to be like this soundboard to bounce off of me. And, I mean, for me, I think a good review needs to have, like, multiple voices and opinions, perspectives. So, with that in my mind, I'm going to be sticking my toe back into the water this week on this bonus pod special. And I'm going to give it this, you know, another shot. Let's, you know, let's take another shot at this. I know we're on to something here. I just haven't quite figured out how to do it right. Hopefully, I got it this time. Uh, I'd like to do more of these, actually, eventually. I I think I'll figure this formula out. Ultimately, maybe, you know, make some video format of these going into the future. Throw it on our YouTube channel, Backwards K-Pod. And at this time, I want to welcome my secret agent, social media operative in the field, Cubs superfan, Omar Gobby out of Chicago, Illinois, into the poll. Mr. Gobby, welcome to the show, Oh, How you doing today, brother? Uh, hanging in there. Just got to watch another Cubs game. Uh, started as a nail biter, turned into a laugher, and uh, so I'm having a good Sunday. What kind of score you got on that right now? Uh, they just finished fifteen to seven. It was five to five going into the eighth, and they pulled it out fifteen to seven. Nice, nice. So it's uh, you know they raised the flag, the W flag up there in North North Chicago today. Uh, you know you're like my most loyal soldier in our cast of characters here at BKP. Omar has been there since literally show one, I believe, quietly behind the scenes, driving that social media promotion, has always done an outstanding job for me in this role. So, And he's also he's a great writer, has a good head on his shoulder when it comes to baseball movies. He's very critical, very honest, and I like that about him. Some people are pushed off by that. I kind of like it. So, And he's also this huge Cubs fan, and a thousand words or less. Omar, give me a synopsis of the 2023 Cubs season, and where do you see this team going in the next year or two? And uh, what's your read on the Cubs this year and going into next year? Well, my read, you know, coming into the year, I was really hoping for just a a competitive team and hoping um, the three free agents, Stroman, Fulmer, and Bellinger, Mm -hmm. would do well enough to get clipped for something good at the deadline. 
But uh, weird things happened. Uh, the Cardinals, they just totally flipped upside down, and I got to say, I'm just crying so, so, so hard after seeing the Cardinals be absolute crap. Right, right. Um, but, you know, we had, we ended up having gold glovers up the middle. Whether or not they win them, I don't know. But Swanson and Horner have been just tremendous up the middle. Uh-huh. Clutch hitting has been super. And then, obviously, Bellinger has been more than we ever expected. Absolutely. Leading MLB and RBI since the All-Star break. Right. Second in MLB and homers tied uh, since July 1. Um, we're playing October ball this year. I, I, I didn't think it was going to see that happen, but it's like we're going to be playing in October. Yeah. Whether or not we do much in October, I mean, I, we're, we're not up there with the Braves and the Dodgers, but, you know, who knows? That's right. Getting there is, is the hardest part. That's We're right. We're there. We're going right. to be there. And this it, is a team that this is a team that built for the next five years. Um, and looking at what the Reds are doing, looking at what the Pirates got coming, yeah. I'm saying see on Milwaukee and St. Louis because they don't have much to compete with what I see is going to be happening. This is going to be a three-team race for the next five, six years. And it's Chicago, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, and I'm glad to be here to see you. And piggybacking off of what you just said right there before we get into this review, uh, I just think it's been such a transition year in baseball this year. We're seeing a lot, you know, I got to say, this is kind of like a new era of baseball. The, the teams that are playing really well are all young teams. Most of them are homegrown farmhands, and the Cubs have certainly, you know, enhanced their their uh, their farm this year. It's I, I it's in the top ten, right? Uh, sure it is. And in the recent re ranking of pipeline, right? We got six guys. We got six guys in the top hundred. I Matt saw that. Not in at number one, number one hundred. Right. So I mean, and. What do you think? Do you feel like this has been like this big kind of transition year where like, you know, I see a team like the Yankees in last place and the Yankees are still playing that 90s baseball. If they don't hit home runs, they don't win baseball games. And I think, that, you know, we are seeing the evolution of baseball right now. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you're talking about the kids. I mean, I'll go back to the team. I'll talk about Cincinnati. Uh, they threw a kid today, Tyler, just Tyler, something like that. He was the 15th guy to make his debut with the team this year. That's scary. This That Reds team was in the thick of things, so it looks like they're going to be falling out of it, yeah. but they are so young. I know, in uh, fact. Like the Cubs. we got all this process. I mean, yes, yeah, you, you got your team. Oh, my yeah. God, Boston won. Yeah. Do they have anybody who's over 30 on that team that <laughs> does anything significant? No. That team is wow. Yeah, I think Adam Frazier might be our oldest guy. He's been a very solid veteran presence on our team this year. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the youth is taking over, and uh, – there's some teams out there that's still playing 90 balls, 90, 1990s baseball, where they think they're just going to buy championships no more. Those days are done. Uh, I think teams are investing in their own superstars now before they're trying to go out and go crazy and buy superstars. I think the whole thing with Otani is fascinating. It's going to be a great year, man. I'm so glad that I could get in and talk a little Cubs with you. But uh, I want to thank you again for stepping up, Phil, this void. Uh, I felt that needed to be fixing to do this kind of review, and I'm proud to have you here on the bonus pod edition of BKP. So, uh, what do you say? Let's get on another movie review here. What do you think, brother? Uh, 
Let's go for it, man. All uh, right. Yeah, let's go for it. This is a movie I didn't know much about until exactly. he gave me the homework assignment, and yeah. oh, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, so I'm and piggybacking on that. So right off the bat, I want to let the audience know that before we did this review, neither Omar or I had ever seen this movie. In fact, we decided we were going to do this review about maybe a month, month and a half out, really, and I was like, don't watch it until we get close and so neither not neither one of us had seen this movie before uh we did this review which uh you know i was really happy about it's it's, it's probably very rare that a baseball movie this old neither one of us had ever seen so that to find one that we found where both of us hadn't seen it was a good thing the first movie review i did on bkp was sandlot and you know, of course, I had seen that movie about 500 times before doing that review, so this was refreshing to find one that neither one of us had seen. Plus, I went in this with no biases, other than the fact that I love Radio, Ray Liotta, and I would say the other baseball movie he did, Field of Dreams, is an iconic masterpiece. Um, the movie in review today is going to be Chasing 3000, which is an independent film released in... 2007, and it chronicles the cross-country story of two brothers trying to get back to their hometown, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from California, to watch baseball legend Roberto Clemente collect his 3,000th hit. It stars Trevor Morgan as Mickey Sitka, Rory Calkin as his younger brother Roger, Ray Liotta as an older Mickey Sitka, retelling the story to his own kids, uh, Lauren Holly as the worried mom looking for her sons, and the grandfather's played by Seymour Castle. Uh, the movie is set in 1972, as Clemente is closing in on his 3,000th career hit. Mickey is this out-of-place high school kid in California, and his brother Roger has muscular dystrophy and needs metal crutches to get around. I should also mention this story is based on a true story. For me... This is the basic plot concept. Anything you want to add to that, O? Uh, yes. Um, based on the true story, those are words on the screen that always make me shiver. Uh-huh. Unless, and here's a shout-out to you, Baltimore people, David Simon's name is there. Gotcha. Because otherwise, anything said based on a true story, I'm expecting 2% true, right. 98% story. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I'll, we'll go more, we'll go on more on that. I do want to throw one nice shout out, shout out though on the plot. The guy who made the movie, he wanted us to know how much he loved baseball. Yes. And I'm surprised you didn't talk about this when you and I were talking about it. Mickey and Roger. Of course he names his player, his two characters, Mickey and Roger. Wow, you know what? I, one story to baseball. I didn't and even Mickey think and Roger about that. the story of the Yankees. Not just in 61, they were for a couple seasons. Right. So I did appreciate that. Right. But, uh, yeah, as far as the basic plot, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So... The movie goes on, comes on, and right away, I'm invested. You, you have some great clips of the great one. He's beating out infield hits versus the Orioles in the 1971 World Series. You see images of him on deck with his Clemente mannerisms of Jack jerking his neck and stretching his shoulder muscles. And you also see these clips of his overall brilliance on both sides of the ball. And... Omar, I, I think you know by now how much I, I how much love I have for the legend of Roberto Clemente. Uh, even as an Orioles fan who has watched the clips of him just out 
outright destroying my birds single-handedly in the 1971 World Series. I've made him the face of my Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network brand. And let me ask you, what do you think about as a fan like myself, who never got to see Clemente play, when, when you see clips of him, what, what are your general thoughts on Roberto Clemente? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's he's one of these guys who transcended the game. Right. You know, not like the Ruth or an Aaron, who were just, you know, they were just gargantuan players. I say more on your Jesse Robinsons, your Josh Gibson. Okay. The guys who, what they did on the field was second to what they were off the field. Wow, that's I mean, great. obviously, he had the cannon arm. He was a clutch hitter. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I'm not even going to get into a spiritual religious discussion here, but the fact that some outside force decided that not only does he have to get to 3,000, but he ends magically right at that number. Yeah. This just speaks to who he, who he was. I mean, he meant so much more to the game than just the game of baseball. He meant this to his people, the, the, Latin, the Latin community, specifically yeah. the Puerto Ricans. Yeah. You don't see a whole lot of Babe Ruth high schools out there. Absolutely. But you see... Jackie Robinson High School right. and Roberto Clemente High School. And there are reasons why, and it had a lot more to do than just hitting and throwing a baseball. 100%, brother. So, after the intro, we see Ray Leona driving like a maniac down Route 376 <laughs> with his kids in the car, trying to get to PNC Park for Roberto Clemente Day. And uh, he gets pulled over for speeding by a state trooper played by Keith David.
something bad for me. I love this movie. Like, I love both of these guys. I really love this scene. Uh, I'm feeling like, okay, this is a pretty good way to start this movie off. I, I thought Leona and David fed off each other great. The chemistry between the two was outstanding. I wouldn't say it's Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper and True Romance, but I felt like the two were, were pretty great together. And you can feel the magic of Clemente between the two men. And uh, well, what did you think about this scene, Omar? Uh, I wish I could say I loved this scene as much as you did. Uh, I mean, it, it's a movie, so this was just, you know, the, the movie creating our story, the state trooper with the heart of gold, letting the guy off, and plus, my big problem, anytime I see Keith David in any role, the first thing I put out of his mouth is, how the hell did you get the beans above the face, kid? <laughs> I see I only see there's something about Mary. Okay. The only thing I ever see him doing, I didn't buy the scene. I did not buy the scene at all. Gotcha. I was looking for beans and Franks. <laughs> gotcha, brother. So, okay. After the cop lets Leona off with a warning, you see him driving the kids at a much safer speed down 376. And to the chagrin of his kids, he begins telling the story of his childhood and why Roberto means so much to him. So, the story goes back to 1966, and Leona says that all the kids in the Berg at this time had two things in common. They had grandfathers with funny accents, and they all had these universal love of Roberto Clemente, and they all considered him the great one, the greatest of all times. I'm Clemente. Roger's muscular dystrophy didn't keep him from being a part of the game. Roberto Clemente comes to the plate. We had Clemente's routine down. From the head cranks, to the bat drag, to the batter's box routine. for kids in baseball. This scene has a real sandlot feel for me. We also learn that his younger brother loves baseball, but because of his muscular dystrophy, he is relegated to umpiring and calling play-by-play of the game. And, uh, I, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for these kind of scenes. It takes me back to the sandlot. Did you have any thoughts on this scene, brother? Oh, no, it was really good. Yeah, this, was, this, this scene is definitely a call out to sandlot. Um, and it worked. Uh, I also want to mention, you know, in this scene and in many other parts of the movie, just like in the Sandlot, the music works. Yes. Uh, they, they definitely picked time appropriate music. I did. Me looking for detail. I wanted to make sure songs weren't made before or after what 
we're good about that. But no, this, this team really, really worked. It, it shows how Mickey and Ryder had the bond, not only as brothers, but both as lovers of baseball, and they both could act on that love of baseball in their own ways. You know, exactly. Roger recognized his limitations and accepted his limitations, but that didn't stop him from just living life and loving life. Right, right. And uh, when, I, when I was sitting there listening to you, thinking, and I'm thinking about you playing saying a lot of baseball as a kid, uh, something tells me you were an arguer. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So the movie takes a more solemn turn when uh, young Mickey comes home elated, uh, having bought the new Roberto Clemente card, only to come home and see his father arguing with his mother. And little did he know that'll be the last time he would ever see him again as his dad leaves the house, gets in the car, and drives off with young Mickey calling his name as he disappears down the road. And even though his father has left the family, Mickey takes solace in the fact that he still has his brother Roger in his corner. He still has baseball. You flash forward to 1972, and Mickey, playing for the high school baseball team, has established himself as a cornerstone on that team. He still has the Clemente mannerisms when he plays, and his little brother is his biggest fan and never misses a game. And we see this kind of transition where now they're not the young kids, and they, you know, now it's Trevor Morgan. And uh, Roy Calkin, Roy Calkin, and after a game that sees Mickey hit the walkout double, his mother played by Lauren Holly, and man, she looked different, didn't she? I think it's the most different, mm-hmm. didn't she? She looked really homely in that movie. And the uh, did, did did you keep seeing Dumb and Dumber when you saw her? Oh yeah, <laughs> I, find it, I find it sad that she's been reduced to now playing moms. Mom. Yeah, right. I, I was thinking the same exact thing. Uh, the grandfather is played by Seymour Castle, who I'm actually a big fan of, even though his script didn't give him much to work with. I, I don't even know if you ever saw Beer League, but that day, he was so goddamn funny in that movie. Um, they sit the brothers down, explain that Roger can't get the proper medical attention he needs in Pittsburgh, and the mom and the brothers are going to have to move to California because it is the best place for Roger to be treated for his disease. And this is where you see Mickey at his worst. He becomes selfish and protests to move west, even though it is the best course of action for his little brother's well-being. Three months later, you see him in Cali. He's playing baseball for his new high school team, and he's having trouble adjusting to California in all phases of life. Kids throw hard breaking balls that he's having trouble adjusting to. Uh, the, the chicks, they kind of view him as this East Coast out of touch and kind of gross dude. The baseball coaches have lost faith in him, and he has virtually gone from being like this very popular kid in the Berg to a virtual nobody in California. Uh, would you agree with that assessment there, Omar? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And what did you think about his transition here from the East Coast to the West? Did you did you find it kind of wonky or anything like that? What did you think about that? Uh, I did not shed a single tear for him. Yeah. If they were trying to make us feel sorry for him, they failed. I agree, man. Uh, I, I, I honestly think he should have grown a pair. I don't yeah. think he was as poorly looked upon as he thought he was. Right, exactly. The new kid, the new kid coming out to California, and he's still a big part of his baseball team there. He's obviously put in the middle of the lineup. Right. You know, they, they trusted him. They had faith in him. He blew the faith 
he's the one who made them lose faith in them. That's I'm right. sorry, that one at bat, which was supposed to be the, the turning point that made the coaches hate him, you don't take, you don't yeah. look at three yeah. in a clutch situation. You know, he looks the bat off his shoulder. I do he deserved to be benched. I agree. I, you know, I, I gotta be honest about it. His, his character became like this totally unlikable for me from this point forward to almost the very end. Not in the sense where like I hate him like say Darth Vader, the ultimate villain, but <laughs> at least with Darth Vader, there's a part of me that feels sorry for Anakin. I don't feel sorry for Mickey at this point, and, and this is the first fall of the movie for me. Uh, he hasn't garnered empathy with me. So he's just like this whiny little mopey bitch that can't hit the curveball. So what? His brother could die in any moment. I have uh, empathy for the brother, but zero for our so-called protagonist here. And, you know, it, it is a kind of a weird thing. So one night, the boys and the mom are sitting at the dinner table, and they watch Roberto Clemente collect his hit number uh, 2997 on the television as the mother announces she needs to take a business trip to San Francisco for a couple of days and Mickey needs to look after his brother Roger. And right off the bat, the applause of the scene hit any real scene head in the lips with the, the in- inaccuracy of it. On the television, you see hit number 2997 splashed on the TV set, but the film is from a hit versus the Orioles in the 1971 World Series with my good friend Don Buford throwing the ball from the Memorial Stadium outfield. I'm like, hey, that's Don. So that's a big no-no for me. It's 2007 when this flick comes out, and you have everything you need. You have archives galore. Uh, to get hit on the, on the footage of that actual hit, and if you don't find it for some crazy reason, maybe you just act that scene out or something. They they needed to go Forrest Gump here with the archival footage, and instead, the director kind of insults our baseball intelligence uh, with this kind of, you know, throw this Baltimore Orioles scene on here, and we call it 297. Do you have a big problem with these kind of, uh, you know, video virtual kind of things when it's based on a true story? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, like you saying, I think it was very lazy. You know, this wasn't Cap Hansen in 1898 exactly. where there is no footage available. That's right. At the very least, there would have been still photographs from the newspaper account and the radio recording of, the, of number to a transition from this and it's pretty much like the beginning of Act 2. The first night mom is gone. We see young Mickey in his bed. Deep thought. Uh, He wakes up Roger to tell him that he's driving mom's car with a learner's permit. 2,948 miles across the country to hopefully see Clemente break the record in person. And... I don't want to give away uh, major plot lines, but it is an adventure that includes issues with Roger's health, mom realizing the boys are gone after hearing Roger has this form of bronchitis that could be deadly, and she's in a panic, of course. In Oklahoma, the car is confiscated by the police, and the boys are kidnapped at a restaurant taken by the chef who is looking for a reward for what he assumes are two runaway missing kids. They then get to the train station, realize they've left the money in the car, which the Oklahoma police have in their possession. So now they jump a train. They think it's headed to St. Louis. On the train, they meet a young girl runaway who has lived a horrific life of parental neglect from her mother and an abusive relationship with her mother's boyfriends. The train does not go to St. Louis. 
Instead, the trio separates in Birmingham, Alabama after two days, and they call the grandfather from a mission, and her mother is there, she's out of her mind with concern, and it is at the mission that they hear Clemente is hit, number 2,999. Uh, there's a lot of wonkiness in the script of the second half, I felt like. I'm sure you did, uh, OJ. What are your thoughts here? Well, yeah, this is when we're no longer a baseball movie and we're just a road movie. Right. And that, 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 that's all introduced to, I mean, obviously there's just so many ridiculous things. The whole fly cook story, and that, I guess it wouldn't happen. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Keep reminding myself, it's a movie. If this is, this is the, that 98% story part that I'm talking about as opposed to the 2% true. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I would normally have no problem with it except all we're showing now here is how just much of a part of my French, how much of a pussy Mickey is. Right. The stronger one in this pair is Roger. You're right. And uh, I, and then I'll, I'll say my bigger my bigger opinion on this towards the end where we finally wrap things up. But we we could have gone two different ways here, and I think I would have enjoyed it much more if at this point we made it Roger's story instead of Mickey's, mm-hmm. but we didn't. Right. We stayed on Mickey's story, and yeah, this, I, I had big problems here. Yeah, and there weren't like these brotherly moments. You finally get one. Uh, you're going, it's still in Act 2, but it's late in Act 2. You finally get this brotherly moment. It's not bad, but, you know, you, you, I just feel like a, a movie like this between brothers, and I don't know, do you have a brother? Uh, just a sister, no. Okay, so there, you know, uh, I have a sister as well, but there's a definitely connect between brothers, and I'm, you know, I'm waiting for that moment where I'm going to drop a tear, you know, and it just never comes. This is as close as we get to it. What did Poppy say? It's going to help us out. church with absolutely no way of getting anywhere we have no car we have no money and on top of that mom's coming to get us now poppy Why, why did we even go on this anyway? Mickey, you were right. 
last time I ever get to see Clemente. Or just take a trip. What if this is the last time we ever do something fun together? Don't say that. Look at me, it's true. said I waited so long for that brother the brother moment. We finally get the scene. I was almost kind of tearing up but not quite there yet and I feel like that's the problem with this whole movie. It just doesn't go quite far enough. Uh, did, uh, and I also thought Roy Calkin acted circles around Morgan in that scene. I mean he was like don't say that. I mean it was very wooden, very uncharismatic. What did you think about the brotherly relationship between the two? Oh, I mean, Roger is clearly the much more mature, um, the much more in control of who he is, who he wants to be, and where he's going in life. Mickey is a schlub. I mean, I'll go back. I have no sympathy for Mickey. I don't care about Mickey anymore. I really don't. Right. Uh, he wants to go see that game, and the only reason I want them to see, just to see number 3,000 is so Roger gets that chance. Absolutely. I really don't care if Mickey gets there or not. I, I, and as far as Rory Colson, absolutely. Right. Yeah, uh, people dismissed all the Colson kids as kid actors. You know what? If you haven't seen some of Macaulay's work as older actor, and then of course Kieran Colson kills it on succession, yeah. and now you get Rory here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, X circles around him. Yeah. So, I agree 100%. The, the boys, they're exhausted. They fall asleep somewhere along the Tennessee-Alabama border in a barn. And the next morning, they are awakened by a farmer um, who owns the farm. And he's played by M. Emmett Walsh. And I thought he was fantastic in this role. For me, out of all the secondary characters, he was absolutely my favorite. Now, he is the one actor that kind of made me tear up. Here's the scene I'm talking about. That was a long time ago. Now... The spit. I never liked that. Never did. You know, it's butchly. You know, butchly. You know what I mean? Butch. 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 You're Clemente. Now there's a rare bird. Years ago, the old Forbes Field. You ever see a game in Forbes Field? <laughs> no, uh, we used the to. The for playing the Cardinals. See? And there's this. Ball ball goes into the one stands along the right field line, and Clemente he, he can't quite reach it. And this man he he caught it, you know. He felt all good, and fuzzy and happy, you know. And then this really big burly guy next to him reaches over and wrestles it away from him. So between innings, Clemente he comes over. And he gives the man another ball. Up until that day, Stan the man had, had always been me and my mom's favorite player. 
But after that, no ball player meant more to us than Clemente. fantastic a very short cameo but to me he killed his scenes he gives the boys a present to make it home to the burg to watch clemente make history but um you know the question is do they have time roger's health is getting worse and uh yeah i really loved him i thought out of all the secondary uh characters that they met along the way between the guy that tried to kidnap him and the fukaka uh girl in the in the in the train i thought M. Emmett wash was the best and most endearing of the characters. I also love the fact that he's telling the story about how a, a guy got got the ball at the baseball field, and um, he was the ball was taken from him. And we come to find out that that person was this M. Emmett Walsh character. The ball was taken from him. Clemente gave him the ball, and that's when Clemente became his him and his mother's favorite baseball player in the game. What do you think about Emmett Walsh's performance here? Uh, are you as high on it as I am? You know what? I actually actually I've changed my mind. I know even when you and I were spoke speaking in uh time before we were doing the show, I was ready to trust this performance. But you know what? No. More and more I think about it. So uh, we've been talking about the sandlot more than once in today's show. And mm-hmm. he Chuck yes. is this movie's Mr. Murray. That's right, exactly. And, I lost expected for him to pull out that ball and have it been signed by Roberto mm-hmm. Clemente. Mm-hmm. I actually like that it wasn't. He, Chuck Ireland talked about what the magic of baseball is to everybody, right. just like Mr. Myrtle did mm-hmm. to the boys in the sandlot. It is more than a game. It, uh, these guys playing the game, they're, they're just elevated to superhero status in eyes. And, and I can see how that would have been a transformative experience for a young Chuck Ireland. Right. Again, when you're talking about what the movie could have done, a beautiful movie to me at this point would have been, hey, Mickey, stay here and watch my farm. Because you know who deserved to go see that number <laughs> exactly. 2,000 did? That's Chuck a great, Ireland. Chuck Ireland, you're right. This should have been Chuck and Roger sitting in that car <laughs> and going to see that game. That is and a Mickey great point, brother. Ireland to learn a few lessons about life. That is a great point. Um, as the boys get closer and closer to Pittsburgh for the last game of the season, Roger's health begins to collapse, and Mickey has no choice but to stop at Steubenville, Ohio, at the hospital. His brother does not die, but he's bedridden, and he wants Mickey to finish what they started, and basically what will he do? I'm not going to give away the ending for all you guys who haven't seen it, and 
uh, Omar, you did actually give me the skinny on Roger Sitka that I found very profound when we were watching this movie. Would you care to share that with my audience right now? Uh, sure, absolutely. So the, the real life brothers are the Makita brothers, and their road trip was a lot shorter. Their road trip to see hit number 3000 was only the 39 miles to Steubenville, Ohio, and Pittsburgh. But that wouldn't have made a good road movie. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this kid, Steve Makita, the real life Roger, his type of muscular dystrophy that he had is a killer. It was like 70% of all people bark does never even make it to the age of two. Mm-hmm. He, the real life guy, Steve Makita, was the first person with this type of muscular dystrophy to even see birthday number 50. That's year. amazing. That is He went to college. Mm. He became an attorney. He went to BYU Law School. He worked as an assistant state attorney uh, for the state of Utah for 39 years. Um, excuse me, assistant attorney general. And then even after retirement from public service, he spent a lot of time with the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, as a patient advocate. He is a twice-published author. We just lost him, actually, earlier this year. And I know you yeah. had no idea that we lost him the year we decided to do this movie. Right. He was a recent death. He passed away in March, the age of 67. Mm-hmm. That is he amazing. all the odds. He lived to 67 years old of a disease that people don't make it to two. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, let me give you my final analysis, Omar, and I'll get yours when we're done, okay? Uh, The movie, for me, it relies on nostalgia. So right off the bat, I would have preferred authenticity from the Clemente video that they used in the movie. There is a bit of that coming-of-age story you look for when you have these recounting of your younger selves. But the movie is slow in tempo. Trevor Morgan has pretty much no charisma in the story, but I did... I guess for the most part, I did love the overall work by Roy Calkin. There is an almost lazy feel with the writing to me, and you hit on this earlier. There is a lack of real tension, drama, danger. Mickey should have been doing the trip in honor of his brother instead of the other way around. And I think you made a great point when you said that. And really, at the end, it should have been Roger and Chuck Ireland. That would have intensified the journey's plotline for sure. I needed more brotherly bonding, but the Mickey character character is way too selfish to, to, uh, to, uh, to get that throughout the first two acts of the movies. The actors mumble a lot, which doesn't help the poor script. And although there are these heartfelt, touching moments, I feel like I should have a tear or two more in my eye for a story like this. And I only came close to crying twice. It doesn't go far enough. It plods along where there should have been more tension, more excitement. And it just always feels like it falls short of where it could have been. I'm not sure if this story demands a reboot, but... I would do it a lot different than the product that came out in 2007. It's not the worst baseball movie I've ever watched, but it does have flaws and scripts in the production. All in all, I'm going to give it three backwards Ks out of five, which I guess is a C. That's average. Yeah, I'll give him that. Three backwards Ks out of five. What do you got, Mr. Gobby? Well, I mean, I've been hinting all along. I, I see lots of flaws. I agree with you. Trevor Morgan was just so plastic, so un- unnecessary to me. 
we're we're led to believe from the beginning of the movie this is his story. This is Mickey's story. This is Mickey's triumph to get, no. Mickey was just a just, just a petulant little teenager who had to get what he wanted. Uh, I wanted Roger's story. I, I, I've been saying this all along this whole time. I wanted to hear Roger's story. I wanted to see Roger's story. Roger's story, I think, would have made a much more compelling movie. It's not compelling to see a 16-year-old kid steal mom's car and drive cross-country. But it is extremely compelling to see a kid who cannot walk on his own two feet get across country. It's a compelling story to see a kid who knows he can literally die at any moment. The, the whole bronchitis thing, I mean, I looked this up too. Yeah, it's actually very real that these simple bouts of coughing, bronchitis, and a sinus infection could be fatal to a kid like Roger. Mm-hmm. His story is the one I wanted to hear. I didn't hear it. I only got to hear this petulant little brat, Mickey. Um, as far as the baseball movie, I thought it was weak. There wasn't enough baseball. I mean, we're, we're hinting at how special Clemente was and how special it was that Clemente got the 3,000. Mm-hmm. But it was so much in the background. Yeah, I could make, put that more out in front. Why was it so important to see this hit number 3,000? Where would I believe it's more because Mickey misses his home? But tell us why it was so special. Clemente was a guy that our generation, I mean, my generation missed him. You know, he died when I was four. Um, my generation, the current generation doesn't have this larger-than-life character in the game right now. Show us why he was so special. I'm even going to go a step lower. You got start three twice, and on that third attempt, there was a check swing, and the appeal said, no, nah, he didn't swing. Two and a half backwards case for me. You make this Rogers story, I can easily see it as a four, a four backwards case. But I'm stuck at two and a half. It's just it's missing too much for me. I wanted Roger's story, and I didn't get it. Awesome, brother. So, there you have it, folks. Backwards K Bonus Pod, my second movie review of the books. i I, I got to tell you already, I love this review much better than the Sandlot review. Uh, I really, really enjoyed doing this. I think I'm onto something here with this new template. I want to thank my brother Omar Gavi, my social media ninja, for stopping by and doing this. Uh, I love your honesty. I find it refreshing. Uh, you understand how, you know, you think like me as a writer, and I, I'd love to try this again with you if you don't mind. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's great, brother. So, thank you very much. We'll definitely get some thoughts together. See, I, I believe there's something here, man. Uh, so, you're down to do more of these in the future. I'm down to do with you, absolutely. I will never charge you freaks for the baseball content here at BKP. No Patreon, no Twitch, no pay-to-play subscriptions. And you can pretty much find me anywhere you listen to your shows. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast. I'm all tangled up in the web, bra. Seek, and ye shall find... If you guys are planning a ski trip or vacation to Denver, Colorado, please check out my dudes, Danny and Bruce at the National Ballpark Museum out on Blake Street. Just a long fly ball from Coors Field. It's an amazing journey through a baseball time portal as their displays and exhibitions are focused on all different throwback cribs in baseball history. That's the National Ballpark Museum out on Blake Street in Denver, Colorado. And... 
while you take this trip through time, Danny and Bruce love to play BKP over the speakers. So, winner, winner, Christmas dinner, baby. Thank you, Danny and Bruce. I love you guys. Again, thanks for joining me on this bonus pod edition of BKP. I'll see you guys on Tuesday with the Mickey Lowlands bio. Parents, if you see your kids sitting on the couch looking bored AF, by all means, take him or her outside and play a game of catch. Thank y'all for coming out. God bless and win the day. And like my boy Shay Hillenbrand told me in our one-on-one sparring session in the dojo last year, you go to hell, Andy Paddock. See you in a couple days with that Lowlands bio, you freaks. Peace. Howdy, y'all. It's the Pod Squad, Gage Geen, executive producer of the Backwards K Pod. For the last few months, I've been telling you about our sponsor, Laparose Hand Cleaners, a powerful trifecta of products that eliminates fish, seafood, and bait odors, as well as the spices on your hands from steamed crabs and delicious crawfish boils. And now, this amazing grassroots company has added a buffalo wing hand cleaner. These are the only soaps and wipes on the planet specifically formulated to be used after eating spicy foods or after a long day of fishing. Not only does the fishing hand cleaner get rid of bait funk, crawfish hand cleaner wing hand cleaner removes the spicy bones around your mouth and on your hands. An ingenious invention by a retired Navy shipmate of Jake. So he is family, folks. And one thing we do at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network is take care of family. Till the end of September, Laparose Hand Cleaner is offering all BKP listeners an amazing deal and hopes you give them a shot. It's a buy one, get one free deal. Hot wing hand cleaner wipes, fishing hand cleaner wipes, or soap, seafood hand cleaners. Buy one, get one. We only advertise products on Backwards K Pod that Jake and I believe in and use personally. After ripping up the golf course and watching football, there's nothing I love more than throwing some bait in the water and cracking a cold bud head. You can check out these amazing products by going to crawfishhandcleaner.com. Or you can call the home offices at 713-588-0290. To get that BOGO deal, please use the code SUMMER23. For your fishing vacation you're planning, or the shellfish buffalo wing feast you're preparing, get yourself this groundbreaking product to protect you from smelly, spicy hands. That's crawfishhandcleaner.com. Or call 713-588-0290. For the buy one, get one deal, use promo code SUMMER23. Fishing along the bank of your favorite river and listening to BKP sounds like a great idea. In fact, hey mom, where are my poles at? I'm gone fishing.